welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, here on a uh, kind of a nice Tuesday afternoon, running a little late with this episode, but only by a few hours. So, um, throw my two cents worth in here, but I was listening to a podcast on cyclocross um, and they kind of have the same questions, how to grow the sport. And the two things that I took away from the episode with Jeremy Powers is, first of all, do you make the sport top-heavy or bottom-up? And they, their thought is, you know, do you make the sport for the elite, top-end expedition-type races, or does adventure racing go uh, grassroots, get the big participation. And kind of my takeaway from their discussion is um, got to have the grassroots before you get the uh, association. And that's a 60s rock and roll reference. But um, <clears throat> so you need to, yeah, if you don't have the base, you won't get the pyramid. And the other thing they talked about that uh, interests me is Jeremy described it the sport, their sport, as a big wheel with everything on the outside. And guess what? Everything had to be filtered through the media. So you had to get the uh, the writer stories, you know, through the media to get to other people and kind of a maybe even an infinity wheel. But, hey, any time that uh, I'm important is good for me. So just a couple things to think about. Um, I think I've said this before, but we get into the, uh, like two weeks from now after NARS when things kind of settle down and not much racing and get uh, some some of the uh, numbers guys in adventure racing. We'll get you guys on the podcast and we'll talk and uh, see, see where we're at, what's going to happen, and uh, move on from there. So let's uh, get this show on the road. One of my favorites. A double up married couple race together. You know, I always find that very interesting. So that's it. Uh, go fast, take chances, keep your powder dry. So thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, Randy. How you doing? Hi, Randy. Oops. Except I should probably get closer to the mic. <laughs> oh, we can hear you just fine. Okay. Well, yeah, if I get... I could get way back here and sound like I'm in nowhere. <laughs> so, can you, uh, or I could get okay? a little bit, yeah, cool. yeah. I could get a little bit close and sound a little bit professional. So, <laughs> oh, how are you guys? Good. How are you, man? Real good. Good. A little all recovered from last weekend. Yeah, yeah feeling good now. So, um, all right. Well. My new my new uh, format is to have my guests introduce themselves so people know who we're talking to. So go ahead, introduce yourselves. All right. Uh, hey, I'm Tim Bucholtz. Um I'm uh, the co-captain of Team Rib Mountain Racing and the co-race director of the Rib Mountain Adventure Challenge, uh, I guess as well as president of the Wisconsin Adventure Racing Series. And uh, I'm Anna, and uh, Tim and I are married, so I am the other co-captain co-race director along with Tim. Uh, we've been racing together for 13 years now mm-hmm. and I'm uh, married for 10. So, Yeah, we're, um, I'm on a roll of uh, married adventure racing couples. <laughs> <laughs> so, But the, the first thing we got to get out of the way is we might, but, but I don't think so we're uh, related because my mother was a Buck Holtz. Which is actually spelled the same as your name. Oh wow, yeah. So but not not pronounced Buchholz, so which is probably more uh, accurate. I think that I think yeah, U for yeah, in German it would be Buchholz, I, I believe, from, yeah. what I, but from what I understand, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well see we're they were more uh, they were South Dakota, so they got away from all that German influence in Wisconsin. Sure, yep. <laughs> so all right, let's see. Where should we start? I actually I know where I want to start on current current affairs. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
What do you think about the uh, going on now with we need a new governing body and what should we do? Yeah, this has been this has really blown up in the last couple of days here, right? Um, ever since yeah. Mark posted a couple of days before USA Area Nationals um, with that with that post of thoughts and a surveys out now, and there's been lots of good feedback. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm mixed on it to be honest with you. Um, I think there's a lot of things being done right right now, and um, mm -hmm. I think there's more things that are being done right than things we have to complain about. Uh, that being said, I think there's always room for improvements, and certainly, you know, talking about either organization, uh, USARA or NARS, um, both are doing some good things, and both have some places yeah. they could improve. Um, I think the one of the keys right now is, you know, I, I'm not sure how I feel about, you know, trying to split into factions of, uh, well, let's only support this one race organization, because I just don't think there's enough racers and race directors out there that we can afford to have a big chasm come between us. Uh, I think yeah. we need to find a way to move forward and, and everyone support adventure racing regardless and find a way to work together in this. So, but as, as as a race director and a racers, it would be nice to have one national championship. Yeah, it would, although I'll tell you what, um, you know, we're going to do both of them this year, right? Yeah. So we just did US Air yeah. and NARS is in about two weeks. Uh, I, as, a, as a racer... I certainly don't mind getting to do two big races a year. <laughs> no, that's true. That's I, I don't mind, you know. And I guess you know we're, what what Nars is calling it the the North American Series yeah. Championship, right? So, yeah, r realizing of course that's probably going to stay in the U.S. for a while, but um, yeah. you know, I, I I certainly don't mind that. Um, it, it it does make sense that you know I often get questions, especially from new racers. Well, what what are these two organizations? You know, I think it could be probably more confusing to a new racer just navigating the terminology and the different, you know, why do we have two governing bodies, which I don't know if anyone has an answer to, but, um, yeah. but I, as a racer, at least I certainly don't mind that, to be honest with you. That's one way to look at it. And I think we're ahead of the curve because probably in another year, we're going to have two world championships. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing too is yeah. let, let's say, um, you know, I don't know where NARS is going to be next year, but, but USARA already announced it'll be in Indiana. You know, as yeah. long as they're always in somewhat different locations, it might actually provide a better opportunity for someone who doesn't want to travel quite as far to still do one of those races based on its location each year. That's another at yeah. least positive. I, I tend to be an optimist, Randy, so I'm trying to, you know, I try to see the good in some of this, and, and that's certainly one of the good things is the fact that we have to allows more people to do a big race. That's true. That's true. So... But maybe they could uh, maybe like get six weeks between them. Might be a little better. Yeah, I guess we're what are we at three three weeks between yeah. them right now? Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> that's a little. I mean, for for somebody that's done a hundred adventure racers, you're probably like I am when I was racing. It's like oh, six races in six weeks, cool. Let's have fun. <laughs> but I mean, really, I mean, but most people aren't like that, right? They want like they think they think they need two months or six weeks before races yeah as long as they're not yeah. back to be back weeks i'm fine even if they are i'm probably okay <laughs> yeah but, you know, but, but i can see how yeah i can see how some people might like yeah. the lowest spread and, and probably too just with work commitments and uh i can see how that really comes into play once you start factoring work and family life and all that in yeah having them more spread out would be a good thing uh be nice if everyone could coordinate on that that sure would be good yeah that would be but that's kind of a worldwide thing because like you know I'm uh, I'm going to Belize, and then this week I get a chance to go to God's Own, but I'm already committed, and yeah. you know, and Primal Quest mm -hmm. and Shenandoah are going to be the same time. So it's like, oh, come on, people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What um, if if you if you had two races, the same weekend, or you know, what what's a deciding factor for you guys? Because you. And, that, and we're going to get into how many races you've done, but you guys have done a ton. So what do you look for to, for a good race? Well, um, a lot of times we try to do them both if we can. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you know, we look for, we love longer races. So, I mean, talking like, you know, 24 to 30 hour races. So if there's, you know, we look at how, you know, how much is this going to take out of our schedule? How far is it to travel? Um, if we can find something, you know, closer, you know, the closest race for the longest distance we can get is probably what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Although the last couple of years we've 
um, structured a lot of our race schedule around USARA points. So, you know, we would travel, you know, you know, just for those specific races because they were a part of USARA. Yeah. yeah, and I think the other thing, like, like let's say just randomly all things are the same, right? One one race is three hours east and one race is three hours west and they're the same length and everything. Mm-hmm. That Then you start to look at the history of that race and how good has it been in the past and does it have good nav? I'll always go to the race that I think the race director has a better nav course. You know, it has a more challenging yeah. uh, foot navigation section because certainly that's something I love and that's something our team does, tends to do well at. So if, if, if we can have a race that's really going to challenge us navigationally, I'll, I'll always pick that race uh, and put that as a priority. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's it. There you go, race directors. Good hard nav, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so looking at it from the other direction, when you're a race director, what what do you make your races look like to entice other people? Let's or like beginners. Yeah, so you know, we direct a race. Uh, it's going into its fourth year now, called the Rib Mountain Adventure Challenge. Um, our race is very much geared toward beginners. So we have on the same day two versions. There's a three-hour version and an eight-hour version. Um, and the three-hour version particularly is really geared toward newbies, people who have never done an adventure race. So we put a lot of time and money into advertising that. Um, the advertising, uh, we certainly push things that like the foot section is a 5K because most average people who might be athletic but never done an adventure race have probably done either run or walk a 5K at some point. So we push that it's a 5K on foot, a 5K in the canoes that we provide, and then about uh, 15K on, on bicycles. So the average person that looks at a three-hour race and says, man, three hours is still a really long time to be racing. That's like a marathon. A lot of people will look at that and think. Yeah. Um, but when you when you start giving like, no, the actual distances are really only going to be this, then it starts to sound much more manageable. And then it's funny because you have these people coming up and saying like, oh, you know, I looked at the distances. I should be able to do that race in about 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, they don't get that. Oh, you're gonna have to navigate and, and find your way, and some of it might be off trail. Um, so yeah, we certainly try to push that the sport is accessible. Um, our, our race is still there's navigation the whole way. It's, it's not a marked course at any point, mm-hmm. so they still have to be able to navigate with a map and compass. Um, we offer some navigation clinics both uh, in the week leading weeks leading up to the race as well as the morning of even. We offer a navigation clinic for any of the new three hour racers. Um, but yeah, just really trying to find ways to get new people to be less intimidated by the sport. Because I think once you get past that intimidation factor, um, people get really excited about it. And we found a lot of uh, people returning. Uh, we've been excited that we found a lot of people that have done the three-hour race once or twice have then jumped up to the eight-hour race. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. people have come out with their families. So we've had parents with kids, you know, ages like eight um, I think has been our youngest, yeah. but we've had so many families come to compete that we had to open up a family division separately. And that's both for the three-hour and eight-hour race. So that's no, that's cool. cool. I mean, I guess our hope is kind of what we've been seeing over the last few years is to um, help uh, build and you know kind of you know create the you know gradually build the adventure racing community within the state and within our area. So our plan is to start out you know very very beginner. And then have, you know, that eight-hour race kind of gradually get longer and longer and harder and harder as the race community grows along with it. So eventually we'll have a lot more racers that aren't intimidating by, intimidated by doing longer distances. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good plan. So you guys are also involved with, with like, the race series in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so a few years back, even before we were involved with it um, – there was three races that started a series called the First Basis Adventure Race Series, and First Basis was the sponsor for that series, uh, First Basis Consulting. And um, they basically it was just three very completely separate race organizations with different race directors, and they just said, hey, let's just let's pool some resources, let's all pitch in a little bit of money, and the sponsor pitch in a little money, and we'll have a prize for some teams you know that do all three races. Um, and then over the last three years, that's evolved to, at this point, we're at nine different races put on by six different race organizations. Um, and what's great about that is, is because we can pool those resources. So we have, uh, I think this year it's over $2,000 in prize money at the end of the series. And, and even though there's nine races, we don't we kind of model it after, actually after the Checkpoint Tracker Point series, if you remember that, um, mm-hmm. where you don't have to do every race, certainly, but... Um, different race lengths are worth different points, and you have a maximum potential point value. So basically it works out that a team would have to do three to five races to compete in the whole series and have a good shot at, at you know, 
finishing on a podium podium spot in that. Um, but it's it's been great because we can both pool resources for prize money, but also pool resources for like uh, social media advertising and and flyers and posters uh, to really help get the word out throughout the state about this series. And we've we've seen some some good consistent growth. Uh, as a result of that, and we're still, you know, we meet every year as a, a board of race directors for our Wisconsin series, and we have that meeting coming up after our last race of the month in November, uh, just to kind of continue to talk about more ways to do that, and we're talking about maybe like sharing our email lists and getting regular emails out to all the racers, because at this point, between all six organizations, we come in contact with like over a thousand racers over the course of a year, uh, which is great, we just got to, you know, all of us are just adventure race directors. I, w- I wish we all had marketing degrees. We need to figure out what we can do with all the info we have and, yeah. and uh, get those people to keep coming back and get those people to start doing more races each year. Uh, that That's kind of the next step for us. Yeah. Well, the first the first step you need to do is just send all that information to Cy. Yeah, Cy and I have been in touch. Out. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I'm, uh, we've actually got an email chain going between Cy and I right now about that very thing, which we're excited about. So, yeah, that's a uh, – He's he's going to be on here one of these days, and he's going to talk numbers, and I'm just going to go babble because I don't like numbers. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's a great yeah. resource for our community. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. So um, just just one more on, on, with your race director hat on, and then we'll move, or maybe not. But how do you guys, maybe for your race and for the the whole series, how do you attract new new racers? Hmm. You know, I think, um, well, you know, for, for ours, you know, as of three years ago, everybody was a new racer pretty much, um, that we brought into our race. So we tried to just extend and reach as many places in the community as we could. We really targeted, um, you know, CrossFit gyms, different gyms around the area, um, the cycling club, and we have a pretty healthy, you know, active outdoor community here in Wausau. So that wasn't that difficult to do, but um, already tap, just tapping into a lot of um, organizations already that were, you know, had groups of people getting outside. Um, yeah, and then we were just really, really visible around around town and on social media. You know, we talked to uh, Mark with oh, uh, Michigan. Yeah, I know you, you, talk, you talked with Mark from Michigan Adventures, and he's got a lot of great ideas. Actually, we, we took a lot mm-hmm. of ideas from him that he shared with us in terms of marketing, but... Um, you know, the, the other cool thing is, like, Mark's in a pretty big area in Grand Rapids there, but um, we're in the middle of Wisconsin, right? So our town is about yep. 50,000, 60,000 people. Um, and, the, and the next biggest town is, like, two hours away down to Madison. So we're not a, a, a large population community, but we're still getting 250, 260 racers coming out to our race. Um, hmm. So it's certainly possible, I think, no matter where where you are, if you're putting on a race, to, to get the numbers out there. It's just a matter of, yeah, reaching out to the local community. We, we managed to get on local news uh, at least once or twice a year to advertise the race on the local television news as well as in the newspaper. Um, we put about 100 different flyers around town, like at, you know, the, like Anna said, at the gyms, at the YMCA's, at the coffee shops, I mean, just everywhere. Uh, we really, really pushed the advertising. So I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that hadn't at least heard of our events in where we live. And we found, too, um, we hired a professional photographer, um, for the first mm-hmm. few years, and having those amazing photos uh, really pays off for advertising. I mean, yeah, you know that well, Randy. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, um, and also this last year we hired a videographer too, which was pretty cool. So yeah. we're just looking to expand in that way too. Yeah. Um, from from my uh, perspective, what do you think you get the best bang for your buck? The photos or video? Because I have an answer for me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know yet because we haven't really yeah. – you only had the video for one year and when we're still working with the guy to put together kind of a montage advertisement for this coming year. I, I've seen a lot on social media. Um, you know, you look at like things like uh, the Ragnar Trail Relays and some of, some of those other events that are really huge. Um, they tend to have video advertising now as their like quick, yeah. quick and dirty Facebook promotion that te- seems to catch people's attention. But what do you think, Randy? Well, for me, it, it's actually it's photos. Um, well, for example, you know, at Cowboy Tough, I had just over a hundred thousand views of video, mm-hmm. but but photos are probably four or five times that. Yeah. Well. Um, and I and I think part of that is p- 
people don't think they're spending time. You know, they don't want to watch a three-minute video, but they'll sit for <laughs> 10 minutes and look through all the pictures. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, but they also can, um, you know, because I make mine available and they, they use them for their social media. Yeah, so, and I think that's the um, key thing, like, too, Randy, that what you do is such a great service for our community, offering photos like that because yeah. it really just draws attention to our sport and your photos are, are awesome and they're professionally done. They're amazing. Um, it, it makes such a difference to have someone doing professional photos versus just here's a few iPhone photos from the start line that are dim and dark and don't look very exciting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to have yep. those really professional, high-quality images just really brings some profet- level of professionalism and excitement, I think, to our sport that, that we need um, more than just an amateur person taking a few shots on their iPhone and posting them online. Yeah. And more importantly, you need somebody that does podcasts that can – cleverly trick you into giving me a, a compliment thank you <laughs> I remember, so. like, when we look at putting a, an ad together on facebook or social media you know we want something that yeah. you know immediately is going to catch somebody's attention and you know express an emotion that somebody can relate with either it's something exciting adventurous um fun is usually what we try to go towards and then a few words that really stick out and grab their attention and once you grab their attention, then they're going to want to read more and then get excited about it and find out what it is. Yeah. I think that's true, for especially for a, like an advertising, a Facebook ad or something like that. Because I'm actually doing putting that together for Untamed right now. But, yeah, I, could, yeah, I think a short video like that to bring people in. But, um, yeah, I think event-wise it's still photos. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, because I'd rather do video, but. Those days are long gone. The days of shooting a race, spending six months to edit a, you know, a ninety-minute <laughs> film are not there anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, let's go. Let's get in the wayback machine. And see, I have a clever way of getting into this. So when you post, Tim posted up a couple weeks ago that, you know, you'd done a hundred adventure racers, and who else had? Did you realize there were that many people out there that had done a hundred? I, I knew there were some. I, I knew of some. Like yeah. like I knew that like Brent Friedland was just about to do his one hundredth at Nationals. I knew of a couple other people, but way more yeah. people than I expected had done that many or more, which is so cool to see. Um, yeah. it, it, I mean, it just shows you the. <laughs> it's either the addictive nature of the sport or the type of addictive personality that's drawn to the sport. <laughs> it's one of those two things. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that was, that was cool to see that there's, there's lots of other, lots of others in the, uh, in the 100 adventure race club. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're called centurions. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Centurions. There yeah. you go. <laughs> that, I stole that from hashing. Cause if you do hashes, when you get to hundred, oh. you become a centurion. Oh, nice. So, nice. yeah. Um, so I bet you if I asked Brett, if I just said 53, he'd know what race that was. Do you know them? Know them that well? No, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't have them individually numbered like that. I, you know, a few years I, first, you know, we kind of put up a team website pretty early on in our racing, and that's really the only reason I was able to kind of keep track of how yeah. many races we'd done and the dates of every one of them and how well we'd done. Um, and and then maybe last year, last summer, I guess it was, they started looking at it and thinking, man, this is almost a hundred. And then I had to go back to mom and dad's house and look through all look through my old closet and find all the old shirts to get all the rest of the dates, <laughs> oh. all the races, you know, from the early days before we were really keeping track like that. So now now I've got it all in a nice Excel document yep. that adds everything up and adds up how many first place overall finishes versus second place and all that kind of stuff and how many with each different so, teammate. Yeah. And Anna, you're close, right? You're. 94? Um, I yeah. don't know how close I am. I think next year I'll get to 100. Anna's at 94 now. She'll be at 96 at the end of this year. Yeah. So are, have you picked out 100 yet? Yeah. Which race is going to be? I, I, I'm not – yeah, we're still kind of figuring out, you know, not all the races have their calendars out yet. So yeah. it'll probably be early early spring or early summer. Early March or April. Yeah, by the time we get she gets to 100. <laughs> yeah. Um, so roughly how many races a year do you guys do at this point? We're, we're probably at least at 10 a year. Um, it it varies 10 to 12, you know, somewhere in there. There were, there were some years where we did 18 or 20 in a year. Um, but the early years we did maybe one, two races a year. Yeah. Don't you, 
love those times when you're doing 18 races a year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I remember those days. I was doing this was a long long time ago, but yeah, I'd go to Denver and uh do a triathlon on Saturday and then maybe go to Eastern South Dakota or someplace drive all night and do another one on Sunday. Cool. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, well, we lived in, those were fun. We lived in Florida for five years. So the, the nice thing about Florida is you can race January to December, right? You can race 12 mm-hmm. months a year. Yep. So that really made it easy to do 15, 16 plus races a year. So now that we're up in Wisconsin um, and things are it's a little, a little harder. Yeah, we're, we're like 10, 10 to 12 races a year. Most of the time we're, we're each racing together. We occasionally do yeah. races where uh, one of us can't go, but most of the time we try to make it work for both of us. Yep. All right, so we're going to go, we're going to play a little game. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to play a game? Um, all right, for, for each of you, which what was your first race? Uh, mine was, oh, I can't remember the name of it, uh, oh, the Driftless Zone. It was a 12-hour in southern Wisconsin, and I did it as a solo, and it was a complete disaster. <laughs> like I had no, I thought I knew how to read a map. I had no idea how to read a map. And I went around in circles for about 10 hours before I, I know like now as a race director, like I know those racers that you look at and you kind of worry about them before the race starts. You worry mm-hmm. if you're going to have to go and rescue them. Um, I know I was definitely that racer. <laughs> My first race. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. But she just went and, for it. And she just went for it. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why did you decide you should do an adventure race, especially a solo? Well, I think I had plans to do it with Tim, right? Mm, and then that. did we break up? I forget. Well, no, we were just going to college in different <laughs> states at that time. Yeah. And so um, so I didn't have uh, Tim to race with. So I And I thought, well, I might as well just do it myself. Yeah. That's, that's the adventure race spirit right there. <laughs> so then, like, for, for me, uh, it was, like, only two months later, um, I think I came home from college to visit Anna, and then we then that was my first race, and her second race was another 12-hour. We did just as a, a pair, uh, also in, like, south, I think it was southeast Wisconsin or east, eastern Wisconsin. Um, but, yeah, it was awesome. Like, I remember we were just talking about this the other day. There was, like, a repel, the very end ended in a rappel off a cliff into a river, and then you had to swim across the river and then run to the finish line. Like, you know, and we, we had come from, like, a little bit of a running background and a little bit of a triathlon background. So mm-hmm. jumping into something like that was, like, totally awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think our I think our next race was a 24-hour. Like, we just went for it. And um, yeah. got, we had, like, there was a point in the middle of the night where we forgot a, a map. You know, we didn't realize it. And so it took us all night to get through a section. We actually found the checkpoints, but... Um, we just didn't have the map for it. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I think it was, was another single track. We just kind of okay. ran some single track until we stumbled upon points without any map tours. And... <laughs> we had, that was yeah. back in the day when you had support crews. And so our support crew, bless them, I think they kept soup warm for us, waiting for us to come into the TA for eight hours. Wow. <laughs> <Eight> hours <laughs> later we show up, and there was another shorter race that had started the next morning. Mm-hmm. And we were so far behind that the race director told the the next racers that anybody who finds us gets an extra point. And so <laughs> we come across, we come out of the woods and onto a road and cresting up over a hill is like about 50 people on bikes. And they're like, there they are. We saw them first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nice to be wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Did you guys get engaged during a race? No, no, but but I did. <laughs> I did make a, an orienteering slash treasure map to engage to to propose to Anna that uh, involved the second to last point was on a riverbank, and there was a mm-hmm. canoe, and that was a canoe I'd I'd bought for her as her engagement present, and then we had to get in the canoe, and then down the river there was a beach, and I buried a treasure chest, like a full size treasure chest, on the beach. Uh, with an X on the you know X on the spot on the map, and then that had, the ring was in there. So kind of an adventure race in its own way, right? That's not bad. I, uh, <laughs> I well, I proposed to Paulette by uh, spray painting it on a road while she's time trialing. So oh, oh nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yeah. Um, okay, what what's the first race you did after you got married? 
Oh, you're making me think now. So we got married in 2012. <laughs> no, um, 07. Yeah, 07. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, Wisconsin was 2012. Yeah, now you're really making me think. So um, probably it was down – yeah, it was, down, it was down in Florida. It was our first race because right after we got married, we moved to Florida. So it was the Howl at the Moon. That's what it would have been. Yeah, 18-hour race in Florida. And just before that, yeah, we had done a 30-hour race out in – Arizona, Nevada. Yeah. yeah. But I remember that first race after we got married, um, Anna's mentality about racing up to that point for the first like four years of racing was kind of like when we would stop and like literally have picnics in the middle of races, right? Like stop on a river. Like this is a nice spot to stop and eat for a while um, and enjoy the scenery and smell some flowers. So, and, and I was kind of always of the mindset, like I was okay with that, but I think I'd occasionally like say things like, you know, and this is a dangerous thing to say, of course, like, do you think we could go a little faster? <laughs> so I specifically remember that first race after we were married, we are in Florida, and I, I turn around, and, and we're in a canoe, you know, a couple, newly married couple in a canoe, right? Nothing can go wrong there. Yep. Um, and I say, do you think you could paddle a little harder? <laughs> oh, yeah, and that was it. I was like, okay, you want me to paddle harder? I'll paddle harder, but I'm not going to have any fun. And so then, like, from there, on, we just, like, went, like, paddles blazing down the river. And um, yeah. we had always finished pretty much last place every single race. We actually finished ninth in that race. So yeah, the first time we were like, wow, yeah. like, like oh, ninth overall was like a huge accomplishment for us at that point. So, so from yeah. that point on, all of a sudden, that that's something clicked right there. Where then we started to be competitive. I think we did we, we won the next race. No, it was, it was another year. Next, the very next year we won a race. Okay, yeah. that was right. That's not bad. Um, all right, here's a fight starter. <laughs> <laughs> what what race did you have your biggest disagreement at? Hmm. Oh gosh! Mm-hmm. It, and if you tell me you've never had a no, disagreement, I, I, I'm not going to tell you. There's too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Um, oh, anyone jump out in particular? No, I remember. Oh, I, oh, yeah. I remember one. That was the that was early on where we had missed a point. We were like barreling down this paved road down to Lake Superior, mm-hmm. and well, basically when we got to the bottom, we realized that like 20 minutes ago we should have turned off at the top, and so we had went back and ended up carrying our bikes over this big rocky cliff and. And I think we both just sat down and started to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other big one is uh, just, yeah, when, whenever, whenever you're in a canoe and you feel like, well, I'm really paddling hard, but the other person isn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we've actually gotten to a splash battle once in Michigan. Probably. And I, I remember a long time we actually started splashing each other with the paddles. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's just like... That's just horrible that you do that to each other. So. Well, it wasn't so. so bad for us. It was our teammate in the middle that really you know, <laughs> no, was in an awkward true. position. <laughs> well, in that, that, boy, you should be a podcaster because that was my next question is how often, what's the ratio when you guys race just the two of you or with a team? When we first started for, you know, the first five years or so, maybe four or five years, it was mainly just the two of us uh, with occasional teammates. Um, pretty much any race we do now over the last few years has always been elite co-ed division just because just we want to okay. race in the top division. And we, we've, yeah. we've, you know, it, and it's fun. It's fun to race with, with different and new people. Um, it, it just adds a new element that, that's always really exciting. Yeah. And you've got a, you guys got a core kind of a core group up there that you yeah exactly with. Yeah, we got four or five people on the team uh five or six people on the team that we yeah are, are our regulars absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so and then here's my favorite couples question when you race are you guys married when you race are we married yeah well, i mean do you guys treat each other a little different than your other teammates oh yeah i think we probably do actually yeah I, I don't know how you couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, we, we certainly do. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think, yeah, yeah certainly <laughs> you may not have to be as polite <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, because um, 
I think uh, like Chelsea and Jason are they're like no we're just teammates if I'm rem- if I'm remembering right and I may not oh, be yeah. because that that good for them but, that that's pretty hard though I would think um, I would think so to, to I mean how could you not be just a little bit more concerned about each other than your other teammates mm-hmm. I mean yeah subconsciously you have to yeah 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 no, I would have a hard time stepping out of yeah stepping out of that into a race and just acting differently in that situation so that, that's certainly I think. Yeah, we're yeah. we're going into it with the with the relationship, <laughs> whatever that involves with that relationship baggage coming into the race for sure. Yeah, and um, so how much do you guys worry if you're not racing? If only one of you are racing, do you you know you think about a lot? Do you worry? You're like, nah, it's no big deal. They'll be fine. Or uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah, I've um, yeah, I definitely worry more about him when I'm not racing with him. I mean, when we're together, it's fine. Yeah, and I'd say the same thing. Like, like Anna did Worlds this summer, and I was just kind of there uh, cheering him on and supporting, and that that's probably the most worried I've ever been about her in a race, right, because I can't be out there with the team um, being there for her, right? So, yeah, that, that's yeah. – I think I'd always rather race with Anna on the team <laughs> and race together yeah. be, because of that, right? Yeah, and I have found that it's also worse if you're there. Like, when Paulette was racing, like in Patagonia, I didn't think twice about it. And then, you know, if I was at a race like Untamed New England there and she was there, it's like you're always just like, oh, they should be here by now. They should be yeah. here by Well, no. Yep. Yeah, so. Yep, that's true. Yeah, I experienced that this summer for sure. Yeah. yeah. So so you should have just stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's – well, okay, I'll ask this question because I can't quite think how I want to ask the other one. So why didn't you race at Worlds? Oh, they um, Garrison and, and uh, Heather and Mike Wolpert had basically one spot on a team and, and uh, okay. had messaged us and asked who wanted to race. And uh, we, we were going to do rock, paper, scissors, but Anna wanted to do it, so so she did it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so this, well, I'm thinking of, of what I was trying to think of. This is my favorite part. Anna, tell me about Cowboy Tough. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then I don't have to say. Then I don't have to say anything for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, well, yeah, you you were out there. I mean, it was it was just phenomenal. I mean, I had never done anything uh, close to that long before, and I think just it was just so much more epic than anything I'd ever done. Just the terrain and the length of it. Um, yeah. I love the people I raced with, and we just had we just had the best time. I mean, a lot of times I'd forget I was racing even. Like, we just had such a good time. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah. I guess really in any race, you're just kind of in that, in that survival mode, and I just, I love, you know, I love dropping into that because I feel like mm-hmm. everything, your senses are just so heightened, and everything seems that much more beautiful and that much more intense and that much more clear um so to be out there and see the sunrise over the mountains or um see the meteor showers and, and things like that it was just it was incredible yeah so I've, I've been asking this of people that have been there but how did how did you how did your perception of wyoming before the race compare to reality um I mean, were you thinking, oh, this is going to be one thing, and was it different or the same? Or I, uh, I, you know, I think I I went in pretty open. I didn't uh, have many uh, expectations. I think the altitude got to me a lot more than I realized it would. Um, yeah. So that was that was rough. I think my my body just had a hard time racing in that uh, environment. But overall, I mean, things were just so much more grand than I, I had thought. I mean, the diversity mm-hmm. of, of the, the um, landscape was just incredible. And um, it was just, it was hard. It was really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people get a little not complacent. You don't realize you're at 7,000 feet when you're in Casper because you're not in the mountains. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, because you think, well, I got to be in mountains to be at altitude. So, um it, 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 I don't think of it because I live at six thousand. So, 
Yeah. You guys are you guys are what eight hundred? Yeah. 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 So, so, what was your favorite part of the of the race? Oh, um, gosh, I just I my <laughs> I, I loved um, I, I really loved experiencing the team dynamic. I think that was mm-hmm. that was probably my favorite part. I mean, just you know, I, I really felt like you know everybody was looking out for each other and lifting each other up and moving together. And I mean, you really have to when you're doing something with that scale. So, um, and I'm sorry, and I, you know, saying that with Tim next to me, I have a great time racing with Tim. It was just it was very different, and um, I, I just really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So I understand. So Tim, what was your favorite part of the race? <laughs> um, it was really cool, man, to be in transition and see those top teams come oh, through, yeah. those world class yeah. teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that was inspiring and also just eye opening, right? Like it was so mm-hmm. it was so fast, but like watching Seagate come through transition, it was also um so efficient and smoothly efficient. Like they just all knew what to do and it didn't yep. look rushed. But then they got in and out of that transition noticeably faster than any other team coming through there. And in some cases, like, yeah. significantly faster, as, as I'm sure you saw, too. Like, uh, yeah. that, that was pretty cool. Um, it, it was all, and, and I guess the other part that was really fun for me, Mark, Mark had me picking up some checkpoints. So I picked up probably, I don't know, 50 checkpoints over the course of the race. So I got to do some sessions on foot and on bike and run out there in the woods by myself. So that was, that was fun, too, of course. Yeah. So do you think um sounds like you're going to take some lessons from from watching the race? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so we're uh, we're signed up and committed to Untamed this next summer. Um okay. which we're excited about. We've never done that race before and uh yeah, cer- so certainly. So it's a piece of cake. There's almost no bushwhacking. There's no trees in the way. Everything's on a nice path. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So, right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I certainly hope to be able to take some of what I saw in those um, in those tr- you know expedition length race transitions, and, and hopefully our team can work on that and and be fast. You know that would be fun. Yeah. So is well the untamed is that kind of more what you're used to racing to, just kind of east coast as opposed to like Wyoming. Yeah, it'll be nice that it's not at altitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, we're actually, you know, so most of the racing we've done is in um, uh, east, or then the Midwest and then southeastern uh, United States. So the northeast was kind of a newer experience for us this last weekend. Like the rhododendron was um, mm-hmm. definitely a new challenge we had never dealt with before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to doing more racing up in that area. So, well, you got uh, you know the the main race this summer, but probably a little far to go for a twenty four hour race, I would guess. Yeah, someday though, that oh, that would yeah. be sweet. We we know Cliff and yeah. Kate well. That's that that'll be a fun one to put on the calendar some year. Yeah. Um, is there a race that you guys did like once, and either doesn't happen anymore, or you haven't been back to that you'd like to? Yeah, for for me, uh, right away it comes to mind is um. There's a guy named Robert Finley, old adventure racer mm-hmm. out in, uh, like, Arizona, Nevada area near Lake Mead. Yeah. Uh, and we did his, like, 28, 30-hour race called the Desert Winds. And it was – and we, we were pretty new to the sport still at that point. But from my – from what I recall, that was the most epic race I've ever done. I mean, we were, like, mm-hmm. kayaking the Colorado River with 100-foot cliffs on either side and epic mountain bike section, even more epic, like, on-foot trek section. It just it's, It felt like a multi-day expedition race all packed into 30 hours of adventure. So I don't know if he's still doing that. I don't think he still is. Um, no, was, as I, far as I know. Yeah, if, no. if he ever puts one on again, I'd, I'd go back out there in a sec to do that. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah, because I did – I went down there and I think Tannen shot one of his races. Yeah, okay. So. Cool. But, yeah, interesting, interesting area there. How about you, Anna? Um, yeah, probably. Well, there's a there's a race that was happening in Florida that I don't know if it was going on anymore. Um, what was that called? Swamp Stump. Uh, Swamp Stump. Well, 
Yeah, I was going to say it was, no, not that one. There was, um, it was basically a really informal kind of underground adventure race. Oh, yeah, Mark's Alachua Stop. The Alachua Stop, thank you. 30-hour yeah. race, expedition style again, so three big sections. Basically, you had to download the maps on your own. Um, it was free. Uh, you just show up. There's, you know, basically no no organization to it. You just yeah. go, and um, oh, that was that was so much fun. Yeah, that, that was a pretty that was that was an interesting race for sure. Yeah, like like Anna said, like no entry fee. Mark, I think, put out an email the week before, like if you want to bring eight bucks for a T-shirt, I, I printed some T-shirts, but otherwise, no, <laughs> bring your own maps. Here's all the links. Like. Yeah, I've never seen another adventure race like that. But at the same time, it was one of the most high-quality races I've ever done. So, yeah. It's really cool. And then Swamp Stomp is another one. I, I love that. So, huh. so that's, that, I was wondering if you guys actually had an answer for that. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and Randy, there's another race that it still is going on, and I'm glad it is because I, I don't think I don't think I've ever missed one, and I'll probably do it every year, and that's the Stubborn Mule. Have you ever heard of that one? It's up in mm-hmm. yep. northern Wisconsin. It's a 30-hour put on by um, <coughs> excuse me, Paula Waits at 180 Adventure. and I think pretty much every year we do it, and every year it's probably the best race I do all year. Um, mm-hmm. She has probably, you know, I told you earlier, my favorite part about a race is tough navigation. She probably yeah. has the toughest navigation of any race I've ever done, and that's consistent every year. And it's just tough in a fun way. Like, you have lots of route choice. Um, it, it, it's true modified Rogaine style, which you can get stuff in any order, and there's not a really clear order of the best way to get them. So it's even fun going to the finish line and talking to their top teams, and everyone picked a different route to get these checkpoints because it's just so – she designs the course in a way that it's it's completely unobvious what way you get the checkpoints in a big foot section. But, um, yeah, every every year we go back to that race, and it's – it's always one of the highlights of my year going up to do that race. I mean, man, the the place that she ha- holds the race, um, she'll be there for a while yet. But uh, the the single track mountain biking is out of this world. I mean, you can bike for five hours, you know, in one direction um, on this flowy, fast single track. It's so fun. There's just there's just hundreds and hundreds of trails up there. It's yeah, really cool. it's designated yeah. as you know one of those Imba Epic Ride Centers. So just Okay. Amazing yeah. it, it's and it's also like the same terrain where like the Berkey ski races, the Berkebiner, um, yep. and where the Suquamigan 100 mountain bike races, like one of the earliest mountain bike races in the U.S. So just amazing trails and woods up there in northern Wisconsin. So that's certainly always a highlight of the year for us is going up there to do that race. Yeah, so, yeah it sounds fun. Sounds like a cool spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you guys train together? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah. it's Ann and I and our dog Mick. So we're we're out on okay. we live kind of at the we live at the base of Rib Mountain State Park. That's of course where we get our, our team name and our uh yeah. and our the name of our race. So yeah, um we're out running on the trails most every day and we got a couple really nice mountain bike parks in the community. Um yeah, I think we do most most all of our training together. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now since we're gonna i I'm gonna start wrapping this up because I actually have to do another interview today yet. Nice. Oh wow. It, it when it rains it pours. Yeah. So, um, and I ask this once in a while, but not every time. But I want to I want to ask you guys my bucket list question. Mm-hmm. So, you, you get one more race, but you can't race it with anybody you've ever raced with. You know what? I'm going to change this. You two can race together, but you have to pick two teammates that you've never raced with. So, where do you go and who do you race with? Oh, <laughs> I think I have at least one of my who do you race with because I. Th- I I have a adventure race like like uh, um, kind of my adventure racing like spirit twin spirit animal spirit he's not an animal he's a person. Yeah. <laughs> oh sorry friend no nope, people are animals <laughs> but but I, I feel like I feel like uh, yeah I feel like uh, Brent Friedland and I are like adventure racing twins we only met for the first time this summer but we've been like adventure race like pen pals over the last year. Just emailing yeah. about adventure racing stuff back and forth. So, so someday I, I want to do a race with Brent. And if, if if your scenario played out, that would certainly be one of one of mine. Yeah. Hey. Oh, um, yeah. We were we were kind of playing this game on the car ride home. If you could pick, you know, you pick your all star team. Mm-hmm. Um, who would it be? And and I think mine was um, who was it? Oh, I would have um <laughs> that game. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Sting and Amelia Earhart. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let Amelia do your navigation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
feel like that would be a fun, fun group. That would be a really fun group, yeah. I don't know. That would be that would be interesting, yeah. So, okay, what what race would you go do? Oh gosh, I, if it's the last one, I think it's got to be a big one. I mean, I think we got to go yeah. do either Untamed or or go down go down to New Zealand or. Yeah, uh, I think Godzilla yeah. sounds incredible. Yeah. Everything I've heard about it. I I think Godzone should just either be the uh, answer for everybody, or I have to say you can't pick Godzone. <laughs> I I mean it, you know, yeah. I mean, kind of. That's kind of like duh, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, we almost moved here. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. We were uh, we were at the point where we were leaving um, Florida. We were either we were looking at moving back to Wisconsin, which is where we're both from, where we're living now, mm-hmm. um, Indiana, or we both had interviews for jobs out in New Zealand. So, oh. so yeah, we went, that would have been pretty cool. We, uh, but we we told ourselves since we you know chose not to go out there that um, we would make sure to make it out there at some point. Yeah, Wisconsin yeah. will be our home, and, and New Zealand will be our vacation destination. So we haven't made that happen yet. Maybe maybe this next year or two. Yeah. So well, let's see. You're too late. You're too late for this year's race, so it'll have to be 19. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> so, um, oh, all right, this was fun. I don't have any. What haven't we talked about? Well, I think we hit a pretty good list, Randy. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm excited just to just to kind of wrap wrap up back to, toward the beginning of what we we're talking about. I'm, I'm excited to see what what we can do with um, our race organizations that can be, you know, in a productive manner, obviously, that yeah. that we can make the sport better for everyone. Um, you know, I, I think many people have stated this in different ways, that we're, we're never going to be as big as obstacle course racing or triathlon just because yeah. inherently what the sport is. So I don't, I don't think that needs to be the goal. And I'm not even sure that's really the responsibility of the governing body anyways, you know. Um, in many ways, the growth of a sport is, is, is just as much dictated on the individual race directors and the communities in which they live. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I hope we can, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm open to wherever we go with this, whether it be revamping one of the current race organizations or even looking at starting a federation that's something new. Um, but I, I'm not necessarily sure we need to reinvent the wheel rather than just offer yeah. our suggestions to those people in charge. Um, I've seen a lot of complaints, which which I get, and I, I think some of them are valid. Um, but certainly, like if if those complaints exist, we need to make sure that we bring them to the people that might be able to change how we run things um, to find an acceptable solution that's going to kind of move us forward in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, be- between bringing stuff to Troy and bringing stuff to Doug and saying, "Listen, I think it would be better if we if we tried it this way." And I think both of those guys are very open to um, to making some changes if they hear from their community that that's what we need. Yeah. So where, what do you think is the, in all seriousness, the upper limit of adventure racing? It's never going to be Olympic sports, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and let's say specifically in the United States. And and I'll tell you where I think. To me, it would be a win, and I posted this the other day. If the top five teams in the U.S. didn't have to pay for everything out of their pocket, (laughs) Yeah, but but I don't know if that's and that would be awesome. I'm not sure that that's a responsibility of like the the race federation or organization, right? If you look no. Back at the old sponsor teams like Nike and Balance Bar, um, and, and uh, you know uh, Robin Benincasa's team, um, is it Merrill? Uh, mm-hmm. You know they they had sponsorships through the companies, but they didn't get those sponsorships yeah. through the races. They they used to win on no, and that's what sponsors, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If the sport became big enough that the top five teams could find real sponsors, find sponsors. I, I got gotcha. you. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that would be awesome, man. Um, yeah. That, you know, I think you got to find the right. You got to find the right sponsors first of all, and I think yeah, I think the sport has to grow in terms of just its visibility. Um, mm-hmm. And and maybe that doesn't then mean okay, yeah, we got to get we got to get more races that have like what you do, have great professional photos that people see online and get excited about. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what that limit is. It's uh, yeah. that that would be a great goal to have is just get some more teams that can get big sponsors because it's a big enough sport to to sustain that. You could yeah. be a professional adventure racer. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't we all drop our jobs if that's yeah. what we could do full time? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. So okay, here's my here's literally this is going to be the last question. Could you guys be one of the five teams? 
Dick. Oh man, well we better start training now if that's the case. <laughs> and that's my that's my sneaky way of saying how how good do you guys think you could be? Uh, yeah, you know, I th- here here's our big here's our big hang up. Um, you know, as as we all do, right? We've got such busy personal and professional lives outside of venture racing that, that it's it's hard to fit in all the training you want to fit in. So. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, we, we've been slowly kind of moving up the ranks over the past 13 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, this is the season we've ever had. We, we won something like nine adventure races this season, uh, some of them against yeah. some pretty good big teams. So yeah. uh, we'll see. You know, there's, I, I think I said in my post that I posted on my personal page, like, I've done 100 races. I think I can probably squeeze in about 200 more if, there you if go. all goes well. So I've, I've got another solid at least 10 years where I can still be – I, you know, honestly, right? You've, you've got guys in their fifties that are winning races, so I, I've got probably twenty more years of solid competitive racing. Easy, left. Yeah, <laughs> easily. Um, I talked to who did I talk to? Just um, oh, Tom Spencer from New Zealand, who's twenty and going to medical school. And it's like you know, you could quit for ten years and you'll still have thirty years of adventure <laughs> racing left. And he's like, he said, yeah. Right. He says, I'll probably have to miss a couple of years once he starts yeah. uh, residency and all that stuff. So, uh-huh. um, okay. Yeah. My absolute final question. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys going to be top five at NARS? Oh, I sure hope so. I haven't seen the team list okay. yet. I don't think he has a team list posted. I've seen, no, I haven't seen one either. I've seen some Facebook posts with like what teams will be there, but, um, yeah, yeah, I certainly hope so, man. We, we need to redeem ourselves after USARA. Uh, we, we had a good start to the race and had a, uh, had a rough time, just spending like moving a half mile an hour in some rhododendron for half the night once we get out on the trek. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I hope, uh, yeah, I, I sure hope so. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, it's adventure racing, man. That's one of the great things about the sport is anything can happen on any day. Um, yep. There's so many, so many variables, but yeah. yeah, we'll certainly go into it hoping for that. The great thing yep. about adventure racing too, or at least our, our community is that even if we don't place well, like, we know all of our friends that do, so it's just it's a win-win situation. Yeah, it's, it's fun to throw yeah. it. It's fun to see the other people that do well. Like it was so awesome to see Broodstock on top of, on top of the podium at uh, at Usara, and yeah, it's it's yeah. a great group of people. Yeah. True. So, okay, the only guarantee is that I won't win. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, thanks. This has been fun. Yeah. Awesome, man. Good to talk to you, Randy. Awesome. Yep, and we'll uh, see you in a couple of weeks. That sounds good. Yeah, you'll be at NARS taking photos, right? Sounds good. I will be there. Okay, we'll, we'll see you there, man. Looking forward to it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, All right, thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Together.